When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gene Hamp Carlin is a very prolific writer, has been writing books for years, and yet she came out with a book fairly recently called um, The Plot, and everyone was talking about that book. And now Gene has another book, a novel called The Latecomer, and I couldn't put this book down either. It's, I'm not going to tell you everything because I hate to do that with fiction, but it's about a pair of triplets, the Oppenheimer triplets, Harrison, Lewin, and Sally. And these are three siblings that you would think are tied all together. But the truth is, they hate each other. They really the can't family, stand one another. Right? Can't stand right, absolutely. it. And they're born to very wealthy, successful Jewish Americans. They live mm-hmm. in Brooklyn Heights in a gorgeous home. They go to the vineyard. There's a family business. And the three of them are as different as can be. But I'm curious, Jean, all your books We love hearing where they came from, what was going on. Where did this come from in your head? Well, I think like many writers and maybe many people, I'm obsessed with families. I mean, families are kind of, for a novelist, families are just the gift that keeps on giving. You can write, you know, 50 novels about families and none of them will be like any of the others. And in this case, you know, I was thinking a lot about birth order and children born later into, you know, technically the same family, but it's a different family. If you let, you know, 5, 10, 15, 18 years in this case go by between the kids. And then when you add, uh, you know, infertility interventions, you know, there's a whole other layer of randomness and kind of human interference. And in this case, there are four embryos sharing a Petri dish. Three go into the mom and they're the ones that are, are not supposed to make it. It's it's the fourth one who's going to be sent off to somebody with a more competent, you know, reproductive system. Right. Uh, but in fact, all three of these triplets, uh, you know, survive and become the Oppenheimer triplets. And only 18 years later, do the parents make this kind of crazy decision to have that fourth child? And, you know, my question was always what has to be happening in a family for that to seem like a good idea? Something has got to be really, really wrong in a family uh, to, to make that crazy decision. Well, and there's a lot of conflict in this yeah, family. Tons. And surprising conflict and things happen all the time. And these triplets 
not only don't want to deal with their mother and father, <laughs> but they can't stand each other. No, which and they don't un- they don't really view this late child, this latecomer as any part of their own lives. They're about to leave for college. They want out. Uh, the fact that mom and dad are uh, starting all over with an infant as soon as they are out the door is, you know, disgusting as far as they're concerned. And the other big question is, you know, what's it going to be like for that kid when they realize, um, you know, the all of the implications of that birth order and that huge gap. Um, and, and in fact, that latecomer is having an entirely different life experience than their older siblings. So a lot of craziness in this family. I love writing about characters who are just not nice people, not not terrifically good people. Um, you know, I, I never mind being told by readers that the, the characters are unlikable, at least at the outset. I, you know, I think that's terrific. Um, not everybody, you know, likes that, but, but I do. No, and you got the fact that you could have three siblings and each one is going to have a different childhood. My brother yes. always said to me, I can't believe we have the same parents. Right. Well, we grew up you in know, the same house. Like, even, what, what even the, the, the difference between the first child and the second child is enormous because when you're a first child, your parents are terrified. They don't know what they're doing. They've never had a child before. When the second child comes along, they know what to expect. And that's a different childhood experience. So, I mean, birth order is endlessly fascinating, I think. Without question. And I have to tell you, which I thought you did so brilliantly, was the father of the family Mm -hmm. from the very beginning has a response to pictures, to paintings, to art Mm -hmm. that is really extraordinary and will make you, if you don't really understand art or have any interest, the impact that art can have on people's lives, how they literally, some people overcome by yeah. what to you may look like a mess of color <laughs> and, yeah. and someone else, something extraordinary. Yeah, that that is actually a real thing. It's called the Stendhal syndrome, and it's uh, it's it was named in the 19th century for for European tourists who literally fainted before great art. And when uh, this father, Salo Oppenheimer, who's going to build his own private museum of incredibly important, you know, mid 20th century paintings, uh, first encounters a, a Cy Twomley in a, in a, in a uh, museum in Europe. He literally faints before it. And, and uh, that is just his first encounter with the art that is going to impact him so deeply. He's a very troubled guy and he's, uh, he's been responsible through an accident, a terrible accident for the deaths of two people. And this is, you know, this is not a spoiler. It's in the first paragraph of the novel. Um, but art is the only thing that really uh, helps him at all. And I have to admit that I am not particularly knowledgeable about art. Um, but I have a friend who uh, who is, and I reached out to that friend, and uh, and we we kind of together put 
put together the the fantasy art collection of this character. Oh, and it's really good. It's also not only about art collecting, but it's about, and I understand that so well, because for over 11 years, we lived in rural Vermont. And the Mm -hmm. highlight was going to yard sales, tag sales, (laughs) old houses, going through such garbage and you yes. would find a treasure. Yeah. And that's and and you have them finding treasures. And that was yeah, never that's... part of your DNA. Well, no, I'm quite an obsessive, you know, garage seller and and flea marketer and antiques person, but I'm I'm you know, I have a the, the flip side of collecting is is hoarding and you know, I love all these TV shows about hoarding. I'm totally obsessed with them. And and one of the triplets does sort of go down into that world, not as a hoarder, but as somebody who goes into these houses and kind of liberates them. And all of these things kind of weave together with, with the story of these four kids. There's a triplet who becomes a right-wing ideologue. There's one who almost converts to a different religion. Um, you know, they all are going in different directions, and it's really up to this latecomer, this child born 18 years later, whom they could not get away from fast enough, who really brings them together and kind of um, solves the riddle of their family. And that's why it's so satisfying, um, especially those, the last third of the book is really a kind of very joyful, um, you know, coalescing of of these storylines. You, you, you got to get there. But once you're there, I'm told that um, it's, you can't stop reading at that point. I couldn't no, stop well, writing at that point. Well, and I couldn't stop reading. Did you know an Oppenheimer family before no, you created not really. them? I mean, I, um, in terms of the name, I mean, the name was chosen, uh, nothing to do with the father of the atom bomb. The name was chosen um, in in homage to a real person who lived in the 18th century who uh, was a scapegoat uh, and a martyr, a Jewish martyr in Stuttgart. Um, he he was known as as uh, Oppenheimer, and his kind of nom de plume was Yudzus. And 200 years later, Goebbels made a propaganda film about him called Zeus, which was used to fire up anti-Semitism in Nazi Germany. So I wanted to uh, remind people that this was a real person. In real life, he had no living descendants. But so the nice thing about being a novelist is that you do control the world. You are in charge. And I, I was able to make this family, the Oppenheimers of Brooklyn, um, descendants. Right, and and you also uh, threw in real estate too. That yeah, you know, always. <laughs> but that real like estate to be is sure good. Not to write about great houses. I know we love great houses, and we, we love, love all houses. the discoveries that we have in this book. And the book is funny too. So, what when the plot a huge success? The book prior to this. Yes. What's happened to that book? Well, it's uh, it's about to be filmed. Uh, it's going to star Mahershala Ali, 
and that's very exciting. I am not involved in uh, the making of it, but uh, the producer keeps me posted on uh, where we are, and I think they're going to start filming in January. So that's really exciting. And The Latecomer also is being developed for uh, television for a limited series, and uh, we're not as far along on that one, so I have nothing to report. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great, TV show. There, there, there are a lot of great parts in this book, and um, and and I think actors enjoy playing complicated, flawed, not very nice people as much as uh, some of us enjoy writing them. I know. And are you still doing your pop up book sessions? I am. And and what a timely question because just today the fall schedule uh, was posted on the website and on Eventbrite and we've got Steve Martin and we've got AM Holmes and Edmund White and there's a real mix of, of books, Chris Pavone and uh, Taffy Brodeser, Ackner and it's a great list this fall and we're doing them in person in Manhattan. Everybody has to be vaccinated and masked. Uh, but we're also doing them online simultaneously. So if you're not in in New York um, or you, you know, the event you're interested in is sold out, you can attend over Zoom and and the Zoom attendees also get to ask the author questions. So it's a lot of work, but I have to say it's a lot of fun, too. I'm sure. And I love your story. You've written books since you came out of school. And yet, when you write a book that everyone talks about, it's like a new discovery. I know. I was an overnight success at 60 years old. Pretty funny. <laughs> uh, overnight success with my seventh novel. But, you know, I I am a grateful person, and I, I was always very aware that for a midlist author like myself to continue to be published um, and, and well-published was, you know, nothing to sneeze at. It was, you know, a real accomplishment, and I, it could not have happened without really a devoted agent who never cut me loose Eva. because I never made any money, um, and a great editor who believed in me, and, and, and in fact, who believed in me so much that she wouldn't let me publish The Latecomer until it was right, and that, that meant turning it down several times before it was right. So, I mean, I, I am incredibly supported by these two women and I, it's, it's not empty speech to say that I wouldn't be here without them. Well, it's a very exciting time in your life. Congratulations. Thank you, Joan. I love reading it. It's by Jean Hennef Carlitz and it's Celadon Books. All the best to you and your family will talk again. Thanks, Joan.